KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. And away we go with the Bob Olin Show on the 9th of August. Uh, good morning, Bob. We've got an ideal, I guess, week for gardening coming up. Oh, just absolutely glorious. I guess this is what we live most of the year for. <laughs> That's beautiful, right. Beautiful, beautiful weather. When we get a chance, we'll talk about some of the uh, some of the landscapes and what we're seeing, some of the beautiful uh, ornamental flowering that's going on right now. We talk a little bit about vegetable crops, and then of course, open it up to any questions from the public. So, uh, Dave, do you have a caller on the line? Yeah, already this morning we got a caller, Bob. Hi, who's this? This is June from Carlton. Hi, June. Good morning, June. Morning, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. What I'm calling about is apples. Yes. Last year they didn't apples, and this year I think every blossom has an apple. And there's so many on the tree. What do they do to get rid of them, or do you just learn to live with all those small ones? Oh, boy, is that a good question. Uh, in a year like this, and it all depends on the tree and the type of tree, uh, we really want to drop some of those smaller apples. When you take a look, I actually did some research on this, believe it or not, and we found if you want to even out the crop, if you let all that, all those apples go, first they're going to be very small, uh, they're going to be very heavy, and if the tree doesn't have a good solid structure, you can actually snap some limbs off, and this oftentimes is the, is the downfall of an apple tree. The other thing that happens, you get all of this fruit. So coming into the fall, the flower buds for next year are set in the fall. There's no energy left. All the energy is going into ripening this small fruit. Consequently, no energy for flower buds for next year. So next year you probably won't even have any fruit at all. So to kind of even things out and take away the burden on the tree, we like to drop some of the fruit. So if you take a look at where that fruit is formed, you'll have what we call a fruit spur. Uh, which is typically halfway down the branch, and then you'll have these multiple stems of apples. And I found that you want to at least get uh, take off as many apples as get down to uh, about one apple for each fruit spur, or even a few less. So ideally, if you get down to one apple for every 20 leaves, now you're not going to always count out 20, but count out about 20 leaves so you know approximately how many apples? Uh, it takes 20 leaves to support one quality apple and set flower buds for next year. So if you can get drop those down, and for the homeowner, and you want to be a little careful if you're getting up on ladders, depending on the size of the tree, of course, but uh, to actually pick them off. Now, in the commercial orchards, they have ways of chemically dropping that, that fruit because they, they have to reduce it as well because they want a nice uniform crop. Every year they want a crop, they want large fruit. So they do, in fact, if they get a heavy fruit uh, year like this, uh, they'll drop them as well. They do it chemically, however, so you're going to do it by hand. It's a little bit of effort, but do what you can and what you can reach safely. Just uh, pull them off the sooner the better uh, because uh, they come off easier, and uh, we, we want to develop the existing fruit. What you leave, we want it to be have plenty of time to develop size, sugar, and so forth. The sooner you get after that, the better. Does that answer your question? Yes, it sure does. I have done that, but I thought maybe there was a different way, but I guess I'll have to do that, get out there today and pick off. I used to feed them up to my cows, but I don't have cows this year. But <laughs> Yes. Well, I wish there was an easier way. I really don't have a, a good way for the homeowner to do that. So yep. I think uh, you just have to do the best you can, take what you can off. 
but be a little bit aggressive there. Uh, you'll take off a little more fruit than you might. It's always hard to take off fruit that you know would develop, but it's better for the tree and better for this year's crop as well. So do what you can safely, and the rest you're just going to have to leave. Or you could take it off, you know, with... Uh, there are these apple pickers on on a pole. You can you can knock some off with that too, so those are helpful as well. Well, thank you very much, Bob. Yep. I appreciate that information. Well, Thanks that's a great question. I know other people have it, so thank you very much yeah. for calling, June. I guess you could probably shake some of them off too, but maybe the weak ones would fall and the rest would stay on. I don't know. Yeah, you can do a little bit of that too. It won't it won't take off as many as you right. think. But the uh, the tree naturally will drop some of the fruit if it can't mm-hmm. handle it. But typically, particularly in a year like this where we've had plenty of moisture, that tree is going to hold on to a lot of fruit, and you're going to have to physically pick them off. Yeah, when it gets windy, I notice a whole lot of little apples on the ground, so it, it does its share of, uh, I guess, oh, yes. thinning. Apples and apples on the ground attract yeah. deer. We know that. <laughs> well, that's for sure, too. <laughs> By the way, I did find a big old dead branch. Uh, apparently, you were mentioning last uh, week that I should look at my tree. Yes. And I did, and there was this, uh, had to be a good three-inch diameter branch, and everything beyond it was, leaves are turning brown, and it was dying, so I chopped that baby off. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to show, probably show a few pictures. You know, we're doing uh, this PBS program called mm-hmm. Gardening, so we'll be on Thursday night, I believe it's 7 o'clock. Ah. And I will show a few pictures of uh, uh, fire blight. We have it uh, in profusion, a lot wow. of it this year. Yeah, and, this is the first uh, time I've ever seen it on my tree, so I'm glad the, I was aware. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad you did, too, because in this case, you managed to stop it. It is bacterial. It's different than a fungal infection, and it gets its name from the fact those leaves look like they're actually parched or someone had taken a blowtorch to them. Mm. But you can see where, and I, I'm assuming in the way you described it, this was your situation. You see the parched leaves. You see a little farther down the branch, lush green growth. And this is a bacterial infection that comes from spores that are kicked around in the air. And I'm speculating that with all the lush green growth we've had, we have kind of a thin skin on those apple leaves. So the spores come along, and they're able to penetrate. They get down. Uh, into what we call a vascular, the circulatory system that carries all the sap and all the fluids in the tree, and that they go systemic, so they will move through the tree, and they can be very devastating. So if you see one limb like that, go and go back away from the dead areas, at least six, eight inches, or to another stem, make a nice sharp cut and with a pruning shear, then dip that pruning shear and rubbing alcohol between cuts so you don't carry it onto the next branch with each cut because it can get systemic and it ultimately, uh, uh, if it's real pervasive, and I've got a few trees I'm quite concerned about myself because it's consumed much of the tree, uh, that can actually kill a tree. And you want a tree to last, you know, a good hardy tree like your um, Harrelson there should last 50, 60, 70, 80 years of, of good productive growth. But if something like fire blight comes along and we don't get it under control, uh, it can be difficult. They sell a lot of products, obviously. This is the free enterprise system. There's a lot of antibiotics, <laughs> and I think maybe once again for a commercial grower, the commercial industry, the orchards fear this disease. So they get on very early with some antibiotics, any number of name brands out there. I think you've got to get on early. I've tried that myself uh, and have not been very successful in controlling it. So I would be a little careful about how many products you buy this late in the season. I would just go to careful pruning 
and I think that's the best option we've got if you have the problem. Well, it was a it was a big branch. I had to use a saw, not a not a shear. So that's okay. And you took it back to another stem, or yeah, took it back to, to the where main I where to where I saw it was growing good. So. Oh, that's good. You just want to take it back right. to another. You don't want to leave a stump there. You want to take it to back to another branch. You don't want to cut too close, even with a saw. Uh, uh, and then that will heal up. There's plenty good. of time yet in the season to heal up that wound. Yeah, the rest of it looks really good, so we'll, we'll that's see. Good. One, one limb we're not going to worry about. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, Bob, and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. And we're back to Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday. Bob, you were saying off air that uh, the Rose Garden is especially good looking this year. Oh, gee, I got to tell you, if you've got a <laughs> minute or two this week, you have to get down to the Rose Garden. That's right off London Road. There has been enough parking right at London Road. They got a nice parking lot. It is absolutely glorious. Uh, I had a friend that tipped me off, and I got down there late yesterday afternoon. It is one of the most magnificent sites. Wow. You know, great history there. Um, you know, the, there was a woman by the name of Ozma Clint, and I'm going to feature a couple of uh, women in this discussion because I'm mm-hmm. I'm really impressed. So Ozma Clint and the uh, Lake Superior Rose Society had a, had a rose garden right along London Road there, and then these plans for the extension of the Interstate 35 came into town, and they were just going to destroy the Rose Garden. The interstate was going to go right down along the lake there, and it would have been a lot of concrete and noise and no lake access. And it was really Ozma Clint, and I don't know her age at the time. Her daughter's still with us and living in the community. She could probably tell us, but uh, she was elderly at this point and uh, decided that they weren't going to eliminate the Rose Garden. So this became... uh, Quite a controversial event, and those that have lived in the community for a long time are aware of this. And, of course, the construction of uh, the interstate did stop for a number of years. And then they came up with this wonderful solution of uh, building the tunnel and then topping it off with uh, uh, topsoil. As a matter of fact, there's uh, about seven feet of topsoil on top of that tunnel. And uh, then uh, reestablishing the Rose Garden, and it also opened up the possibility for the Lake Walk, which you can access uh, just right off the Rose Garden, just to work your way down through that. And uh, it's resulted in a, a marvelous solution, which just shows you there always are solutions. I guess you've got to have enough money to do it. Unfortunately, there was the money to build a tunnel and, and seven feet of topsoil at that time. But uh, I think this has become a major, major Duluth attraction that... Uh, People from all over the country come, and oftentimes those of us who live in this community uh, do not get down and experience. So this is the week to go. The hybrid tea roses are absolutely magnificent. It's a very serene, peaceful location. Matter of fact, I I photographed, uh, and with his permission, an individual from Duluth that it was just absorbing the tranquility. Beautiful benches down there, roses like you can't believe. You know, this is again. The credit to the city of Duluth and their garden crew and the nice job that they do down there and to the community because these are hybrid tea roses as well as shrub roses. And the the difference is the shrubs are really quite hardy, don't require a lot of winter protection. The hybrid teas, which are your classic roses that uh, uh, people uh, refer to in these long stem beautiful roses, the hybrid teas are not real hardy here, so they all have to be dug and they have to be buried every winter and covered with leaves. Consequently, they, they send out the call to the community to bring all your bag leaves down there. So the bag leaves go on top. They all get buried 
and uh, and then they get redug in the spring with volunteer labor. So for anyone that's participated in that, lots of credit because there's so much labor involved in that that. Uh, be very difficult for any municipality to accomplish all that. It's magnificent. Uh, we've had this lush landscape. That's one thing about this year, Dave. We've had this rain here, which has been marvelous. And you don't have to go too far south, and it's been very, very dry, even in the Twin Cities. Um, and we all know about the southwest and the fact that uh, there is enough grass to, for our cattle herds and the reducing cattle herds because of that. So it's been dry farther south. We've been just very, very fortunate that a lot of this rain's come through, and and I know we got uh, friends a little farther south that are listening down in Pine County and lower southern Carlton County. It's been a little dry down there as well. So up here, we've been very fortunate. Maybe a little too much rain. We got people who listen north of Hibbing all the way up to Cook and and International Falls, and there it's, they've had flood warnings, so it's been right. moist. But what this rain is broad is a lush landscape so you go down there and lush you overlook the lake and the, the view of the lift bridge and there's a magnificent uh, uh water feature it's a big fountain actually now mm-hmm. that fountain was originally at the corner of london and london road and Spiria street right where it branches off it was a fountain connected to the municipal water system is for watering the horses when we had a horse drawn yeah community so instead of destroying that magnificent fountain i think it's been moved once i know it's moved twice because they had to take it away when uh, when they built the interstate brought it back and it's a beautiful feature and a part of that uh, uh, that beautiful magnificent uh, display get down there see it you know take an hour or so and just relax and enjoy that bring your lunch uh nice picnic benches so credit to all of the good folks uh both the city of Duluth and all the volunteers, it, it is truly magnificent. And now is the peak of the season. Yeah, bring your horse down, too, for a drink. <laughs> that's right, Dave. Yeah. You, I guess you can do that. <laughs> Probably yeah, not, but that's, yeah. We have enough problems with deer uh, much of I suppose, a little yeah. bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that one is, is magnificent. You know, I, They've been doing well, more I, and more weddings down there, too, I noticed. What a great spot for a wedding right there uh, in the outdoors. Summer wedding is just mm-hmm. beautiful. So credit to Osma Clint, and there were a couple of other of her colleagues um, that actually helped out, and then they founded the uh, well, they founded the Duluth uh, Lakesbury Rose Garden Society, and then managed to preserve this, and it's become a major, major asset to the city. So there we've got you'll yeah. see the hybrid tea roses, which are the big magnificence. We got floribundas, which are like a hybrid tea, except you got flower clusters there, and then um, grandiflores as well. It is nice that they're labeled, too, Bob. You can actually see what you're looking at then and find out what they are. You know, you're right. And mm-hmm. the hybrid teas, there are literally thousands of varieties. Wow. The breeders have gone. So there. I was looking at some of the varieties I didn't even uh, <laughs> recognize. This is an all-American rose display garden, yeah. by the way. So these newer varieties that are being developed, uh, many of them are on display there. So I think that's fantastic. We've also got some of the shrub roses. And uh, shrubs are going to be... You know, when you put them side by side, you can see why the hybrid teas, these are the ones that aren't quite hardy, that take a little more care. Uh, but you can see, the, you know, the, the shrub roses, smaller blooms, not nearly as, in many cases, quite as magnificent. Um, the bloom period's a little bit shorter, but they're hardy and they don't require the care. And uh, I just have to mention uh, Julie Oberam. Uh, she developed the cherry frost to give you her history. She was St. Louis County Master Gardener and uh, was a med tech in our uh, medical system here. And she told me once she was kind of tired of the laboratory environment not being outside, and her love was really roses. She was middle-aged when she did this. She went back to the University of Minnesota, uh, 
um, and, and pursued a master's degree in uh, in horticulture, and in, and her specialty was rose breeding. And for years now, she told me she wants to introduce one hardy, disease-resistant shrub rose. She came up with a real beauty, one called Cherry Frost. So if you haven't, uh, I bought a couple of those as gifts. I think uh, people don't really realize how magnificent this shrub rose is. I wasn't even aware of it, but it won uh, down at the Biltmore Estate that's down in North Carolina. If you had the opportunity to see that just outside of Asheville, uh, magnificent estate. And uh, the Vanderbilts built it way back when, and uh, they actually have a rose uh, contest, and Cherry Frost was a winner several years ago of that the nationwide rose contest. So uh, shout-out to Julie Overham, who's now just... Uh, over just, I believe, just a little east of uh, Poplar, Poplar, Wisconsin there, trying to, uh, she actually, they bought a piece of property for Rose Development, put up a greenhouse, and uh, she's been devoting her life to developing roses. It's a long, long process, and she came up with a wonderful, magnificent winter called Cherry Frost. Get one of those in your garden. Uh, they're now out in the commercial, took a while to get here, but they're out in the commercial industry, and they are available. Magnificent uh, so Charlie, Julie Overham and uh, Oz McClint and others have just made a magnificent contribution to our community, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Head down there. Uh, by the way, the roses, I imagine, uh, bloom throughout the summer, don't they? It's not... They do, but okay. they, of course, have their peak. Yeah. And really, um, you know, some of the hybrid teas, uh, they will re-bloom, which is one of the nice things. Some of the old-fashioned roses do not. One yeah. quick bloom and they're done. So these bloom a little longer. But, uh, you know, there's uh, exceptional bloom, and then they begin to fade off coming here into later August and into, obviously, September. So they have probably a six-week peak bloom period. Okay. And, uh, this is at the peak right now, so I'd get down there. They also have a beautiful peony collection. I just say they have other flowers, too, besides the roses. They do, and there are other uh, and mm-hmm. beautiful shrubbery. It's planted very beautifully. Uh, I didn't really realize that there was that much top, so I was consulted actually way back <laughs> when by the uh, landscape architect that put it in, and we talked about the amount of topsoil, and I said put as much on there as you could afford. Yeah. But I didn't know they wound up with seven to nine feet of topsoil. Wouldn't we love that, all of us that are struggling with rocks and yeah. clay and other <laughs> things? But uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, those uh, plants and the grass and the shrubs and the trees all look magnificent. Uh, there's some really good topsoil. So magnificent solution. Lots of noise underneath. You walk uh, near the tunnels, and there's all that traffic on the interstate, but you get up above that, and it's beautiful. It's quiet. It's serene. Beautiful uh, view over the lake. And uh, All that topsoil makes good insulation, too. Well, it does. That, <laughs> yeah. that was one of the issues, one of the things right. we talked about, because you got cold down that tunnel. It's going to be mm-hmm. 20 below, and that uh, cold coming up, and you want to make sure that you've got... Uh, some of these aren't the hardiest uh, plants anyway, so you want to make sure that you don't have that cold penetration. That was part of the thought process, and they they definitely did this right. So shout out to all the, all the people that uh, put an effort into putting that together. It's magnificent. All right, Bob, another break, and we'll be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAO. Well, not sure what happened. I think we lost Bob here. So, uh, Bob, give us a call back. Hopefully this is Bob now. Hiya, Bob. I'm back with you. Okay, good. <laughs> and we're back with the Bob Olin Show. By the way, yesterday, I understand, was uh, uh, leave a zucchini on your neighbor's porch day. <laughs> and I was just wondering how the zucchini crop is. I mean, do, are they zucchinis ready to go already? They 
definitely are. Okay. I, you know, I learned so much from you and AM radio here. It's amazing. That was yesterday, leaving yeah. zucchini on your neighbor's porch. Right, day. apparently to get rid of them. I don't know. Well, I happen to be a uh, a big zucchini fan, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I uh, I really like zucchini. I love the bread, love the cakes, love the zucchini apple pie. <laughs> And I uh, love to pan fry them, and that's one thing we are growing and growing in abundance this year. All right. I think in most cases. Now, uh, I get reports from lots of people every year you're going to have some kind of problems of one type or another, but I think uh, pollination has been very good on the zucchini. We've had enough uh, moisture. So it's going to be a lot of zucchini, just one of the uh, summer squash. And, uh, you know, uh, the Luth Farmer Market coming up here this uh, this. Wednesday, of course, 2 to 5, there will be plenty of zucchini, not just the green zucchini, but yellow zucchini, as oh, well wow. as uh, the uh, some of the scallop, patty pan, squash. Uh, they're all coming in just beautifully now. But on Saturday is National uh, Market, uh, Farmer's Market Day, and the Duluth Farmer's Market will be open, of course, from 8 until noon, and that's 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. I'm going to bring down some, uh, at least my favorite chocolate zucchini cake recipe, because it's, <laughs> magnific- it's magnificent. So. All right. Thanks for pointing that one out. National, leave a zucchini on your neighbor's porch day. Okay. Yeah, we missed it. So <laughs> we missed it. You'll have to wait till next year to leave it on the, the neighbor's porch again. Okay. You know the funny thing is because they do get large baseball bat size pretty quickly <laughs> on you, particularly these kind of growing conditions. But there's some folks that uh, you know people are spiralizing them, they're shredding them, yeah. uh, they're using for all kinds of different purposes. I think. When you add them to bread and you add them to cake, uh, they they leave everything so moist, and you can certainly use them that way. Uh, Ratatouille coming in now, uh, where people uh, add zucchini. You really need uh, fresh eggplant, fresh ratatouille. It'd be great if you had fresh tomatoes. We are getting some of these warm season crops in our market. It's been a little slow. The tomato crop's been a little slow coming this year, but nonetheless, uh, we're getting there, and by Saturday, I know we're going to have some of these uh, warm season crops. So ratatouille, a wonderful uh, vegetable uh, stew, which is uh, just real tasty and one of my favorites. But uh, certainly the zucchini cakes and zucchini pies, uh, absolutely magnificent, and uh, zucchini breads, of course. All right. How about your corn? Is your corn coming along? Corn's coming along. All right. Uh, it's a little slow. Uh, we've got the moisture. need a little heat, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've got to be a little patient. This is the uh, north one. This is not uh, Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. That's so. right. <laughs> but it's good when it gets here, that's for sure. All right. Very good. Uh, you mentioned already that uh, the farmer's market is tomorrow and again on Saturday. Big doing Saturday, I guess, with National What Farmer's Market Day. Yeah, National Farmer's Market Day, and I know a lot of folks, uh, our growers are going to be bringing in, uh, I believe most of them, some kind of an an item uh, for sampling, and uh, I like to bring recipes down for folks as well. So it's nice. it's a good deal, and uh, you know it's family. It really is family friendly. That uh, that term is perhaps overused or used <laughs> often, and uh, that's really the case uh, to the point where we we do have a uh, two dollar token that if you bring any child from infancy through 18 in every day you get a two dollar uh, token which they can spend on produce at any particular stand and uh, that's been very popular so we really do have a lot of young people we got a lot of college students we've got uh, of course uh, a lot of folks that have been there for years it's the original farmers market been around since 1908 so it's uh I don't think we have some of the original customers, but a few <laughs> almost, Dave. <All> right. <laughs> you got entertainment well. down there on occasion, too, right? Pardon me? You got entertainment down there on occasion, right? Oh, it's a fun atmosphere. Mm-hmm. We always have uh, music on Saturdays, for All sure, right. and often on Wednesdays as well. 
so it's fun, and we've got uh, a lot of activities going on. It's just a nice, uh, friendly environment. 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street, 2 to 5 on Wednesday and 8 till noon on Saturday. This Saturday is going to be a big day for sure. All right, you can unload your zucchini on the kids. <laughs> Actually, some of the kids really do enjoy <laughs> it, and... Uh, they will they will buy zucchini with their tokens, so right. uh, it's kind of uh, it is kind of fun. For I sure. was guessing the kids would be for carrots and maybe well, it's too early for the tomatoes, but yeah, uh, apples and other things. apples, like sure, that. yeah. You'd be surprised what they like cucumbers. We've got cucumbers <laughs> coming in, even okay. pickling cukes, so they like those as well. So uh, the kids have some fun buying all that, and they become our youngest shoppers. We're really trying to encourage better health. Right. You know, there's quite a bit of discussion, and we're going to talk a little bit about gardening and the benefits of it for mental health. So physical health, mm-hmm. mental health. Uh, I think of the Rose Garden. There was a gentleman down there that was just enjoying that. Uh, he was so uh, gracious, and uh, I noticed him sitting on a bench just enjoying the beauty of that. Right. He says he goes for a walk, tries to get out uh, daily late afternoon from his work schedule, and then he... Uh, he sits for a while and just absorbs the beauty, and he called it, uh, I'll put it in quotes, pure serenity. <laughs> and that's his term, uh, Ron Carlson, an individual from Duluth, and uh, yeah. I just appreciate that. And I think of uh, uh, some of the uh, stressors we've got in our society, some of the mel- mental health issues, and I think it behooves us just to take a little time out and literally smell the roses. Is there that right? you go. Yeah, you can smell the roses and see the lake all at the same time. And the roses, the fragrance are unbelievable <laughs> in some of those areas. It's incredible. All right, take another break. Be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. All right, Bob, don't know if you do any nighttime gardening, but the last supermoon of the year is going to make an appearance on Thursday night. It's called the Sturgeon Moon, named after the fish, and will coincide with the peak of the Perseid meteor shower, too, which starts in the middle of the month. A uh, supermoon happens when a new or full moon is nearest to the Earth in its orbit. The supermoons look to be about 7% bigger than your ordinary full moon, but it's, I guess, hard to tell with the naked eye. But there you go. Wow. Night. What what night is that again? Uh, uh, Thursday night. Oh, we got to pick that up. It was magnificent last night. We're going to have clear <laughs> skies. Looks like uh, a little rain on Thursday. What's your forecast, David? Uh, Thursday, no. Uh, east wind at about 10 miles an hour, but still low 70s. And then Thursday night, partly cloudy. And then... Uh, Slight chance of rain showers on Friday, but only a 20% chance. So Okay, so uh, Thursday night, the supermoon, if your day uh, gets a shortness up on you a little bit, it's getting shorter, <laughs> so that cuts down my w- w- little work time in the evening here. But i got right. a phone to work by on Thursday night and something to enjoy. That's fantastic. There you go. Yeah, that's just great. Yeah, you know, we're having uh, we're having a good growing season. Uh, people are asking about raspberries. Raspberry crops have been very good. We, You know, we had this pest out there. We had lots of questions. We used to be a major raspberry-producing area, and it goes back, because uh, we can grow them so well this far north, but it goes back to the 30s when we actually shipped them out of this area by the, literally by the rail car down to uh, the Chicago area. It was one of the great big markets. And uh, some of that, we tried to get reestablished. Uh, uh, good quality raspberry has to be hand-picked, and uh, we didn't really have the labor available to get that accomplished up here, so uh, that effort uh, went away, but Pick Your Own was big for a while. Then we had this little uh, fruit fly pest that came along called uh, SWD, the spotted wing Drosophila fly, and uh, unfortunately it just uh, penetrates and lays its eggs when that fruit is very, very ripe, very difficult to control without a real uh, dedicated spray program. No, none of our growers want to do that, right. and uh, consequently, most of our Pick Your Own operations, uh, they plowed all those fields down, so it became such a difficult pest. Now, where I'm going with this is the last two 
seasons, uh, we haven't had a problem with spotted winged drosophila. I don't have a good explanation for that, <laughs> where they went. Wow. I'm just, I'm just pleased. Yeah. And uh, if we could feel confident that uh, uh, this is not going to be a problem for us, I think we'd have uh, pick your own uh, raspberries reestablished pretty quickly. So we got to watch it. But right. I'm just saying at this point, uh, if you've got raspberries, backyard patch, uh, certainly, they're a very valuable crop. They were magnificent this year with the moisture we've had. And uh, we expect this two years in a row now that we haven't had a problem with this pest. I don't have a good explanation for that one because they usually stay with us a little longer. But uh, that's very good news for for all gardeners. Get that uh, raspberry patch reestablished. I think we got one more quick question here, Bob, great, if we can great. get it in fast. Hi, who's this? Sure. This uh, is Rolf. Go ahead. I have a question about current berry bushes. When I was in Norway, they have these great currant berry bushes they make Kool-Aid and jam out of. And I found out that there was a Red Lake currant bush that I think was created by the University of Minnesota. I've been growing that for years. The last few years, it hasn't done so good. I'm just wondering, is there a different berry bush like that 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 grows well here in Duluth? Yeah, currants, uh, great question. It's an overlooked small crop, and Red Lake was developed by the University of Minnesota. That's one I'm going to have to take a little look at and see where we're at. Uh, it's current, uh, you know, it's a minor crop in the United States. But you said Norway, did you? Is that where you uh, started? Where they have, yeah, they have huge hedges with them. They grow big and full, and berries are plentiful there. Yes, uh, we do have a number of, uh, there are a number of rice, black currants, as well as red currants. And uh, let's take a little look what happened to your red currants. So what is the issue there quickly? Well, they just they they flourished for years. I used them against the fence, and they did great. And then the last few years, they just seemed to be dying out. Now I didn't fertilize them. I didn't, you know, I kind of pruned them a little bit. But I must okay. say, I wasn't like a master gardener, really doing anything else to them. Just picking the berries. My grandkids sure. come over sure. and love picking berries they can eat. Sure. Well, sometimes it can be fertility. It can be sun. I would I would come back next spring as long as. You know, we've still got living plants, so let's come in with a little nitrogen fertilizer. Uh, perhaps you could come in with uh, just a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, a synthetic fertilizer, like granular. Get it out of the bag. Don't overkill, but right as the buds are breaking. And then let's let's work a little bit of a, a well-rotted manure. There are organic materials like Sustain is one of the big name brands out there, so work that into the upper uh, inch or inch and a half of soil, and then you'll get kind of a nice steady nitrogen feed. So let's try that. Let's try bringing back a little fertility. Our soils are are low in nitrogen, so I would uh, I would start there and see if we can bring them back, and then I'll I'll do a little work and see if we can find. I know there are so many uh, blackcurrant mm-hmm. varieties which are more popular, but uh, that that may be for another program. Yeah, so I, I appreciate the call. I think it's an undervalued crop. It's one we know we can grow here, oh. and. Uh, a uh, very, uh, very small uh, number of plants are in the ground, so I think it's, it's something we should take a look at. To be continued next week. Bob, thanks. We'll catch you next Tuesday. Thank you, Dave. All right. Bye-bye. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located in Dan's Feedback in Superior, and by WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost, you'll dig.